It's a time full of anticipation, full of anxiety, full of excitement. The night before starting a new school year always felt like the night before a rocket launch. Like the next day, suddenly life would be completely different and new. A backpack full of new notebooks and pencils, a new shirt or fresh shoes, a new teacher, the sound of the bell, the last second check of a self-designed schedule, and mental review of how to get to class. The dichotomy of ending summer, but also getting to see all of your friends in one place again. Learning new things, facing new challenges, working through social, academic, and life problems. Every kid lying in bed across the entire city, eyes wide open long after they should be asleep, thinking about what the next 180 days would hold. Part dread, part rocket man during full-on countdown. But learning is not limited to the schoolhouse. It didn't end on graduation day, no matter how far you've taken your education. Malala Yousafzai said, One child, one teacher, one book, one pen can change the world. Do you believe that? Are you that one child, that one teacher, that one author that took up that one pen? How many pens lie dormant because of other distractions? How can we remain lifelong learners and contributors to the world around us? This is to all of us going back to school. And to all of us just now realizing you never really left. This is the Mind Spark. So, this is the last episode of season one of the Mind Spark. Do a quick wrap up of our season before uh, season two starts. We got some good stuff for season two, but season one has been a mess. (laughs) <laughs> our audio i think we finally found a something that a works. method that works by the way we're coming to you outdoors today and we finally figured out how to record indoors in a perfect atmosphere so we've taken it outside because continual improvement yes. is the theme of this podcast <laughs> lest we become you know stagnant, stagnant in our progress we're fixed mindset fixed audio mindset it's a helicopter tree that's literally a growth mindset right there. That's a it's helicopter It's not called tree. a helicopter tree. <laughs> That's a helicopter tree. No. It grows helicopters. What do you call an apple tree? <laughs> a tree that grows apples. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I want one of those trees too. Jason's finding his uh, botany for his home. Why do you think they fall down and rotate and spin like that? So they can drill into the dirt. <laughs> That's not it. Yeah, have you ever been hit by one of those? Yeah. That's right. You'd be dead. <laughs> oh, this was a bad idea. I feel unencumbered by four walls when I'm outside. <laughs> Anyways, um, we talked a lot about the strugglers and different kinds of strugglers. We talked about comfort food. Um, kind of a few random episodes here and there. Uh, our best episode, performance-wise, listener-wise, has been learning how to fail, which I think that speaks to people being afraid of failure and maybe getting a chance to listen to something. I mean, it's like twice the listeners of a lot of our other episodes. So, <clears throat> I don't know. That's kind of cool. I think people get comfort listening to other people and what they think failure is well it's a very universal thing we can all definitely relate to it uh 
and it's nice to see how other people struggle and fail and do do what they do um and how we accept it and move on yeah which brings us to what what we want to talk about today right is what learning 2.0 or um kind of a back to school theme yeah I think back to school is is important not only for like kids, but I think parents. It also affects parents. I've seen many celebratory Facebook posts that their kids are starting school again. Um, and then it just kind of like you were saying, learning in general. Back to school, you may not be going back to school yourself. Maybe you don't have kids that are going to school. But what is every year? It almost seems like late August, early September is kind of a chance to check yourself. What have you learned? What, where are you in your learning in general? It's also near spring, spring cleaning. So we're in the mindset of <laughs> renewing, starting new. That's a stretch. <laughs> About six months away. It's also part of the year and every year has seasons and Things that happen. Well, Tax season is, is around the, the corner. <laughs> but it's also closer to fall. Uh, which, it which, actually technically is in fall. <laughs> We've lapped the subject that come all the way back around. <laughs> so how we end school? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's always been pretty impactful for me because both my parents are teachers and have been pretty much my whole life. And so our world basically revolved around when school starts, when school ends, and being prepared for that. Um, Every time I ever moved houses, it was in August because we always had to move and be established somewhere before school started. And so like my entire world and life revolved around back to school season. It was kind of weird. I never really realized that till I got older, and I realized you could do stuff whenever you wanted. <laughs> it's funny at different ages that some people are excited for school and then some aren't. Um, younger children tend to be more excited for school. Your middle-aged children are not, and then parents of children are more excited. So it goes through these phases where you're excited for school to start, you're not excited, and then you're excited again for school to start. Well, at some point, like, I think every child has curiosity. But either either you have um, parenting or, or a system that supports that and cultivates that, or very much, I think you have to fight against letting yourself become stagnant because we we tend to think we know something and and we assume we know everything about that thing and then we choose to continue to learn about that topic or to you know i you know i love seeing my my little child my toddler he's what two and a half he actually he's almost three next in two weeks actually (laughs) so not (laughs) um and he's so curious about stuff and then I'm seeing my older child, he's almost, well, he's eight, and he's starting to get to that point where he thinks, oh, I know enough, or I know everything about something, mm. you know? And I think that affects how teachable you are, you know? Well, it's the 
that concept of the more you know, the more you know what you don't know. Um, the more you know about a subject or a topic or something like that, the more you realize that we know very little and there's a lot more that can be learned. Um, I think we've talked about it, maybe mentioned it in the past. We've definitely talked about it in our conversations, just the three of us, about the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where people who don't know much about something overestimate how much they know. And it's kind of a, an interesting thing because if you know very little, you start to overestimate how much you know about it. And the more you learn, the more you realize, wow, uh, there's a lot to be learned. And there's a lot of places where this mixes with other topics. And so if you just kind of assume, oh yeah, I've, I, I studied that, now I know. Every time I took a class, <laughs> That's a Ford one F-150 <clears throat> Silver. Yeah, every time I took a class, I would have this feeling like, I should know about this now. But oftentimes it just left me with more questions. Yeah. Huh, that, that, that's also interesting to think because maybe that's why in college and university and stuff, people change their major so much. Because they have this idea, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this because... I know a lot about it, or I think I know a lot about it, and then they get into it, and it's like, no, there's so much more to this, and I'm not willing to make this sacrifice to dive into this. I'm going to try something else. Or it's not as prestigious as you envision that it is, right? Because we all assume certain jobs are more prestigious until you're the one doing that job, and you realize it's not, it's not like the movies, you know? It's not like the sitcoms. There's a, an interesting thing that you brought up a few weeks ago, Feely, um, called the Pygmalion Effect. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because they, they've done some studies where they've told teachers... Basically, the, the theory is this, the, the effect is this, that um, whatever you expect from someone is what they'll deliver. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I say, I don't expect much out of Feely, then he will feel that and he won't deliver very much either. But if I have high expectations of Feely and he knows I have high expectations, then he's more likely to, to live up to those expectations. And so they've done that with teachers where they actually went in, they gave uh, like 500 elementary school kids an exam. And they told them that this, this exam will tell you how much you're going to improve over the coming school year. And then at random, complete, the exam was bogus. It was just a, a thing to make them think that. And then at random, they selected 20 students. And they told the teachers of those 20 students, these students are the ones that will improve the most over the coming school year. And they had placed all over the place in the exam. They were not the, the 20 highest scoring students. In fact, some of them were pretty low. But at the end of the school year, when they went back and looked at it, those 20 students had improved drastically more than the other students had. And it's because the teachers had this expectation. You're going to be the, the most improved students. You're going to progress the furthest in this school year. So they would devote more time, more attention to those students because they felt like this is fertile ground for growth, right? Yeah. And so it's this idea of whatever your expectations are, 
uh, that's what the outcome will be a lot of the time. And I think that that is really impactful, especially if you're a parent of a child, you're part of that. If you don't expect much of your kid or if you say, oh, they just like to mess around, they don't pay attention, I don't know how they're going to do in school, they never, they never do their chores, they never listen here, so they're going to be a mess in school then they'll know that they'll feel it and they'll probably do that too yeah they did a similar study for the same principle where half the students were told these are great students and the other half were the teachers were told hey these are these are troubled teens just do the best you can just just get them through and and the same outcome the ones that thought these kids are geniuses uh, did way better than the ones that were just told, hey, you know, <coughs> sorry, I'm choking on a piece of grass. Um, but it, it kind of, it's a little bit also like the power of suggestion, you know? Yeah. What, uh, you know, and, and we see that nowadays. Most attitudes are, oh, school is hard. It's a drag. It's, oh, I wish I could have more Reese's or lunch is my favorite uh, time, you know? But, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, for me, it took me, now that I'm older, to really appreciate school and, and wish so much I could go back. And uh, I didn't value it as much as I should have. Uh, what would I, you have done differently? I, I think I would have, I would have focused more on, on my grades and not so much the social aspect of it. You know, I, I, I. It's so superficial, but at the time you feel like, oh, you know, hey, having friends and doing things and having fun is so important, but you don't look at how, how, hey, you know, taking better classes, having a better schedule, having a, a more robust, rounded understanding, not just signing up. Because once you get, especially in high school, when you start selecting classes, um, you sign up for what's easy, not necessarily for what's best. Jason, what would you have done differently? I think I would have asked more questions. I don't think I asked enough questions. There was a lot of times where something interested me, but I felt, oh, if I ask this, it's going to derail what the teachers prepared and what they're doing. And so I didn't feel that what I thought was important maybe you know should have been asked and, and then I didn't go after class either and say hey by the way I had this thought you know I just didn't ask enough questions and follow up on stuff that interested me do you think that's part of the teaching style as well like they didn't leave it open for that kind of engagement I, th there was many times where I thought the teacher was rushing through to get things done and did not take that time or you had students that took up all the teacher's time by being goofy or dumb and stuff like that and then that you know took away from the teacher's opportunity to teach sorry I was the goofy and dumb kid <laughs> so it was Feely's fault <laughs> no but I, I also think when you were saying about that I thought about how I wish I would have understood more that learning is my responsibility, not the teachers. You know, the teacher, they need to cover a subject. And good teachers will go above and beyond and 
teach you know to your understanding but it's very hard for one teacher to teach 30 or 50 students and give them all a hundred percent of their attention you know or a hundred percent what they need they do the best they can but I think we forget that you as the student you have a responsibility to come and take it to the next level and not just by doing your homework but but you can do things like there's so much things I learned now that I'm curious about um, that that it's kind of just on you when you grow up it's kind of up to you you're as stupid as you choose to be especially in the world we live in where you have so much information at your fingertips you could learn so much about everything so motorcycle so um, my, my sister is wrapping up a degree at in, in college in Spanish and I asked her she had a she had a pretty hard time in high school um, and so I asked her I mean she got to the point where she barely graduated it was like the day before or something she finally got uh, permission to graduate and it was a big success at the time because she really really wanted to do it and I asked her you know what was what was the change that went from kind of not caring a whole lot or not not having a lot of success to where she's at now, which she's now a member of the National Honor Society, and she'll be graduating um, in May of 2021. And th this is the answer she wrote to me. She said, in high school, I was dealing with serious, undiagnosed, and ignored depression. When going through that, it's hard to find anything that matters. I didn't care about doing homework because I didn't even care if I got out of bed or not. I could find a purpose or a reason to go through all the trouble. I could not find a purpose or reason to go through all the trouble of doing homework, paying attention in class, and even sometimes attending classes. Also at that time when friends matter more than anyone else in a team's life, all my friends had left. I imagined I did something to make them get new friends or start ignoring me from one day to, the, to another. But even now, five years later, after I graduated, I still have no idea. That added to the loneliness and misery. In the first years of college, I'd gotten into terrible habits that I still struggle with. I spent three years in high school not studying, not doing homework, not paying much attention in classes, and I continued that. In high school, I was able to slide by and get C's. In college, not so much. I also hadn't had any kind of victory. It's hard to turn your life around without any kind of rope to pull yourself out of the pit. I started to enjoy studying. I also started to take classes that I wanted to take. I started to change my perspective, and I used to think that professors and teachers were against me and wanted me to fail. Then I started to experience success. I could see that they wanted you to do well. And so she she basically gave three steps. She's like, if you're having a hard time in high school and you want to go to college and you want to have success, here's the three things she came up with. Number one, find something you like. Number two, hold tight to successes and having success, even the small victories. And number three, uh, if you have a situation where you have a mental illness, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, um, do what you can to get that under control and, and get help, and that will help in more than just aspects of school. Like it'll help you have a a better mindset for going forward in life. So I mean, I, I've seen the change in her, and I remember her dreading school. Like like we were talking about, as your kids get older, there's that kind of that natural 
feeling of, ah, got to go back to school and there goes my fun summer. For her, it was, I, I, and on top of that, it was, I don't really care. And I think now you can see a completely different person because she's found ways to uh, find things that she enjoys studying and she's found ways to uh, manage whatever uh, mental illness setbacks she's, she's had in the past. So I think as long as you're, as you're trying to seek out ways to find the best way to be the best student you can be, um, find things that you enjoy. You're talking about how you, now you appreciate learning new things and it's, a lot of it's because it's, you're deciding what you learn. You're deciding what you get to study. High school, there's maybe some limitations to that, but in college, it's a lot more open. I think when you were saying that, I was thinking about how, you know, there's more victories, there's more value in school than just letter grades, you know, there's, there's social aspects of it that you need to develop, there's being able to work with others, there's, how do you deal with a teacher that you don't get along with, but you got to make it work, or learn the style or, or learn how to do the work that they value, not necessarily what is best. And sometimes there are those scenarios. You will be faced with, with bosses who are obnoxious or don't know what they're doing. And you may totally buy into the purpose of your industry or company or job. And your boss is not the greatest. But you got to figure out how to make it work. You know, it's, you know, it's... It's an opportunity to, to learn a lot of skills that you will use in everyday life more than just the arithmetics of, of you know, math and history and dates. And there, there's all of that, and that's important, but it's also important to learn to, to, to work within a system and succeed, even though the system may be flawed and it may be different for everyone. Some people may have a family that comes from from academics and, and and they teach you early on the importance of that others you may have a family who who was a broken family and and interactions with your parents and guidance wasn't really there to 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 plant that seed of how learning is important and to others you could be your dad some crazy biker gang guy <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> you know who knows right but but you know, we all start in different locations, and we don't need to be so hard on ourselves. You know, we do the best we can. Do you think you lose out on some of those experiences through if you do homeschooling? I think so. But I think it doesn't... I mean, you would just have to mitigate it some other way. You know, provide other opportunities. Maybe they do homeschooling, but they do team sports. Or they go... You know, if if or you do the charter school or you do a specialty school they have a lot of like they have some science-based high schools they have uh, music-based schools uh, that do the normal but they have emphasis in those things uh, and that's okay but I think what 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 uh, what I would say is schooling or learning learning is an all-around balance equation right we're, we're we need to know a little bit of everything you know we need to be specialized when we work in something but we need to be comfortable knowing knowing how the entire system works 
you need to know a little bit about biology, astrology, social communications, uh, you know, medical things. You know, you. I think that's important. We can't just always fixate on one thing. You know, there's because what I'm trying to say is I, I wouldn't homeschool my kids because I live in a place where there are really good public schools. But I could also see when you're in a scenario where there aren't, you don't have that option. The better option may be to homeschool your kids. But you have to accept that, that you have to balance that. that come, everything comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. Even public school, you're not getting individual attention that you would get if you were a homeschool, right? Right. You mitigate that by you're involved as a parent with your kids and their homework and you follow up and you're engaged. But that's a two-way street. You know, you have to... Jason, you've had several kids in school. A few, yeah. 34. <laughs> <laughs> All one way. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> um, For her, yes. I think you mentioned when we started talking about this a couple of days ago, a few days ago, um, when you go to back-to-school night, that you, you like to ask the teacher... Like, what can I do to help you? What else do you do, like, to help your kids get ready or to show the teacher that you're participating? I, I, don't, I don't ever want my kids to come back to me later after, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, or whatever, and say, hey, had you been you know, more in my life and helped with school or been more aware of what I was doing than I could have done better. I, I don't want that to ever come up in a discussion later in life. So me and my wife just make it a point that we're going to be involved. We're going to know where they are. We follow up on them daily and then review stuff weekly. But I think it's very important. I think a lot of people miss the opportunity to go and talk to the teachers because the teachers see a side of your kid that you don't know ever existed. I mean, there's so many things that the teacher tells you that you're like, what? That's my kid? My kid's doing that? And sometimes they're a lot braver outside your home. And other times they're not as brave and they're very shy and they pull away. But you would not find that out until you actually go and talk to them and say, hey, how's my kid? What are they doing? Are they being a pain in the butt? Because I'll sit down and talk with them. <laughs> are they not handing in their work? Because I didn't know about this. And is there somewhere I can look it up? And I drill the teacher. And from all the teachers that I've done that with, they've loved it. They thought, hey, this is great. Because now I can open up. And, and I do it in such a way that if they need to tell me something bad, they don't feel uncomfortable telling me that there is something wrong with the child. Because I know that there are some parents that go in and they defend their kid no matter what. That's not my kid. That's got to be your teaching. That's got to right. be this. And it's like, nope, I want, I want you to feel as comfortable as possible. You tell me and I will accept it and I will talk to them and we'll get this straightened out. Well, it's also, I think, a lot of times some parents view school as like a glorified babysitter mm. 
you know, because they'll, they'll, you'll see the Facebook posts. Finally, I reached the end of the summer. My kids will go to school, and I, I don't I have get to, to get rid them. of them. Yeah, and it's like, it's well, like, what? what's true is between these hours, yeah, you're not responsible for them, and maybe it's easier to get a lot of stuff done. But that doesn't mean that you're off the hook, right? Yeah. Um, when they come home, they're going to have homework, and when they come home, they're going to have questions. And the education isn't a hundred percent. I mean, I'm super biased on this point. The education is not 100% on the teacher to provide. You have to be part of that. You have to be there to reinforce it and at least back it up. One thing that really impresses me, Philly, you talked about how uh, when your son gets home and has to do homework that you try to make it seem like it's a privilege to do homework. It's fun. And when he starts saying, I don't want to do homework, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you hearing that? (laughs) Your attitude towards it is, you're here to learn and it's your job to learn and you should be enjoying it right yeah there's a lot of kids don't have that opportunity yeah you know in the world they don't have a school or any expectations and like like both of you are saying you know it's important the parent they teach the kid discipline and, and delayed gratification and how not to lie and how to follow through the teacher is going to teach you about a topic geometry and math and here's some worksheets here are some things here's how this works but your kid's ability to follow through to do their part to be involved that's more on the parent and, and the child and you know because i i see that a lot i mean i see that a lot in a lot of aspects of life even amongst adults it's this attitude that uh, work is supposed to help me progress work is supposed to promote me I should get a promotion. If my boss cares for me, he should promote me and find me a position. You know, like he's in charge of my career. And and that I would say that same attitude is must have started when you were little, thinking your teacher's in charge of you learning. And it's like, no, your teacher is there as as a teacher. You're responsible as a student. It's the same thing in jujitsu. I mean, you have your professors and all the black belts. But you have to do it. You have to ask the questions. You have to go. And if you're a crappy and you end up putting in the time and you're a crappy blue belt or you're a crappy black belt, that's on you. That's not on the teacher. You know? That's yeah. on you for well, for, for sucking. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, edit that out. So uh, asked a college professor a couple of questions. Um mainly in reference to to college or going to university but I think it's applicable to other stuff as well I said how can I be successful in college or get the most out of it and he said my dad told me two things before I went to college don't believe everything you hear and they don't care if you if you learn they only care what you already know not completely wrong on the first one since the ability to consider ideas that you haven't come up with on your own is a mark of an educated mind I think that college is for you to learn to think, mostly. The second part, though, is dead wrong. You have to expect to learn in college, since you're supposedly preparing for your professional future, and most of you, and mostly you have to demonstrate the ability to learn and develop intellectual curiosity. The material in class is of the utmost importance, grades are not, and the opportunity to spend time with people who have devoted their professional lives to, to whatever subject matter is studied in class should be counted as a privilege. Too many college students show resentment or contempt for their professors 
just because of the letters after their name or because of high expectations that might have not occurred in high school. Attack your classes to become an expert in your field. I think the, the part that stands out the most to me there is develop intellectual curiosity. And when we're talking about lifelong learning, I mean beyond college, beyond something that's required for you to take. Intellectual curiosity is what will take you farther than anything else. Being able to be in a workplace and look at a situation and not just be like, well, I guess this is how it is, you know, but be like, why is it that way? Can it be better? Can it be different? What if we try it a different way? That to me is what intellectual curiosity is. And even though I've heard countless complaints about general education courses and stuff like that, and even required classes in high school, those are all to force you to think different ways than you're used to and to force you to think in different contexts. And that that's where intellectual curiosity, I think, is developed. You know? And I think that's really what you're learning at school, right? How to search those things out. I mean, we go to the library, we learn how to find a book. We Now we get on the internet, we learn how to do searches. We learn how to forward our learning by searching for these different avenues and we know oh there's all these different opportunities for us to learn and here's all the paths and I think that's really what education is doing for us it's helping us learn how to learn yep. I like how he mentions basically you have to take responsibility for your learning and that's true in every aspect of life and you're the biggest you're you're the biggest indicator you should know what you're most efficient in and not be scared to accept it and then make it better you know and it's hard because we live in a world of compare comparisons where hey that's that's hard for me therefore i'll avoid it and that's really good for me therefore i'll flaunt it in front of everybody you know <laughs> all right and it doesn't doesn't do anyone any real service because you're not sharing ideas or cultivating a safe environment where people can say hey i don't know what that means tell me what that means what does that mean what does that word you say mean most people will fake it they'll say oh yeah around the context of the word you said i get the meaning of what you're saying and then Mm -hmm. they'll move on as opposed to being curious hey what does that word mean you just said that what does that mean where did that come from um Another really cool thing, I read this article. Um, I'll just read like the little paragraph synopsis of the article. Children in kindergartens that emphasized play, improving self-regulation, working together and helping one another, and hands-on learning performed better academically, showed less bullying, and more kindness than students in more traditional classes, and teacher enthusiasm for teaching soared. So in, in... when we talk about school being a place to prepare you for life, if it's a very, if you look at like the traditional rigid, sit in your seat, don't talk, just listen, you know, type of education, uh, it doesn't allow you to develop that intellectual curiosity. But in these kindergarten kids, when they were, when they were allowed to play, uh, they were improving their self-regulation. There were a lot of tasks where they worked together and helped each other. They all did better, there was less bullying, there was more kindness, and the teachers enjoyed it more and were more enthusiastic about it. So think about in your life, allow yourself time to play. Give yourself opportunities to work with other people. 
and to understand their perspectives and you're going to enjoy it more and the results will be better. sure you follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, also, check out the links on those social media sites. We have a new website with an episode library where you can go and read descriptions and listen to all the different episodes that we've produced so far. So thanks for listening. Go ahead and share this with people um, and discuss it among your friends, among your family, whoever you want. What's the matter? My knee hurts real bad, but it always—it's been doing that. I think since getting, some guy tore something in my knee. You're getting off. cauliflower knee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating a sucker. Hope that doesn't come out in the audio.